Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. I really apologize, guys, for the quality of audio this week, but I, I know that's been a little while since I released my last episode. A lot of you have been inquiring about where the review for episode two of 112263 has been, and I don't have my usual microphone, but I wanted to get something out there for you. So, again, this is not. This is not how the show typically sounds, and it's not how it's going to sound next week. It's not how it has sounded ever in any of the 100-plus episodes. So if you're tuning in for the first time, I do apologize for the sound quality, um, but I, I rather would put an episode out for all of you rather than you having to wait for me to get my hands back on my microphone. So guys, what I will be doing in this episode, I will be reviewing the, like I said, the second episode of Hulu's 11-22-63. But first, I want to make an apology, not just for the audio this week, but for spoilers from last week. It was brought to my attention that I completely dropped a massive spoiler bomb uh, last week in my in my previous episode, which was re- the review of the first episode of Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, and I never gave a spoiler warning, so that is I I've felt awful about it all week long. So I am so sorry for the spoiler. If you if you caught the spoiler, then you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't catch the spoiler, you have no idea what I am talking about. I'm not going to spoil it for you now, but what I am going to say from this point forward. When I do discuss anything involving Stephen King, it's just spoilers on, uh, because at this point in uh, the the Stephen King cast, with these episodes, the the original mission statement, for those of you just tuning in, the original mission statement was um, that I was going to read each of Stephen King's books in the chronological order of publication, and I finished that, when did I finish that, guys? A month ago? Two months ago? Um... Regardless, I, 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 I have met that, so what this is sort of kind of becoming, it's just kind of just like a, a general conversation piece around uh, Stephen King. So this always, I've always created the Stephen King cast to be the, the podcast that I would like to listen to as a Stephen King fan. So for those of you who have read all of Stephen King's books and know all you know, everything about Stephen King, then um, I I think that you would enjoy the spoilers. So for those of you who have not finished 11-22-63, the book, then you might not want to listen to the episodes of 11-22-63, the Hulu series, until the series has concluded. Because what I'm doing in my reviews, I'm comparing and contrasting the events from the episodes to the the books and because I I know what happened in the book I'm I'm making predictions I'm discussing how an event here or there might line up in the future so I'll be dropping spoilers left and right so just please understand that from this point forward I will be 
just talking about Stephen King in general, and that includes plot points from a, a great many of of his books. I, I so I can't say spoiler alert for the dark half, for it, for the dead zone, for uh, the body, for the stand, for the drawing of the three. Like I can't tell you exactly what I'm going to spoil, but spoilers are out there. But uh, even before I get any further and start to get into spoilers, I I wanted to <clears throat> I wanted to uh, read some some iTunes reviews for the the Stephen King cast because a lot of them have piled up on on iTunes and I haven't I haven't read them um, on the air in a while. I, I started doing it again last week, and, but I'm very appreciative of all of the kind words that that everyone has given to me over the the, the year and a half, almost two years that I've been doing this. So I just, I, I really wanted to share what, what some of you are, are saying out there. So this one is from David in Omaha, who writes, This is easily the best Stephen King podcast I've come across. He goes into great depth and really examines some of the underlying themes in each book or movie. It has really made me think and want to revisit several of the older SK books. I hope this podcast sticks around as I look forward to each new update. Five stars. David in Omaha Thank you so much. Um, this, like I said, this is this is the podcast that if I was a Stephen King fan, I I would like to listen to. So for the fact that, um, you know, I mean, you you're acknowledging the 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 depth. Um, I just I really really appreciate it. Uh, this is from Andrea, and Andrea writes, I absolutely love this podcast. I listen to. A couple other SK pods that have their great strengths as well. This one is by far my favorite. Great listen to someone as passionate about SK books as I. Listening to this is more like having a conversation with a good friend. I always listen while I clean my house. This pod actually makes the task enjoyable. I highly recommend... I'm sorry for being distracted. Um, one of my dogs is, is up to no good behind me. Uh, so thank you, Andrea. And then we have Punk Rock Chemist, who writes, A constant listen for this constant reader. And Punk Rock Chemist writes, I discovered this podcast earlier this year and immediately became hooked with the host's insightful and interesting analyses on the works of Stephen King. I listened to the entire run straight through in just two weeks and now look forward to every new download. This podcast is a must-listen for any fan. And lastly... Um, we have Rimfire66 who writes, Awesome! Greatly done! You can tell he puts a lot into this. Being a huge Stephen King fan myself, I like hearing another constant reader's highly detailed and well-put-together thought. This is a great addition to any Stephen King fan's rich reading experience. If you have questions, he will try his best to answer them through emails or Instagram or other social media sites, which provides a unique interactive experience, the high part of my week. P.S. For bonus episodes sometime, you should review the short stories you didn't review the first time around. So, Rimfire, um, thanks for, thank you for uh, leaving that review. Punk Rock Chemist, thank you for leaving that review. Andrea and David in Omaha, everybody, just thank you for all of the kind words. I really do appreciate it. And, and for those of you who haven't uh, left a review on iTunes, please do, because it just really helps put uh, the Stephen King cast out there, um, you know. So for anyone that that is looking for a podcast, the more uh, reviews, high reviews it has, the more likely it is to to be seen um, out there. So that is just one part that I wanted to get to before I get any further. And I also 
wanted to shamelessly plug my own writing. Uh, so for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that I've also dabbled a little bit in in the, the genre of short stories, and I've been fortunate enough to to be published in some uh, some different magazines out there. All of those can be found on Amazon. So if you are if you have enjoyed my thoughts on Stephen King and just want to see how well I do in in the in the realm of fiction, then uh, you can check out Dark Moon Digest, issue number twenty two, edited by Laurie Michelle and Max Booth the third. Uh, the short story that I wrote in that collection is entitled Room Two O Seven. And if you want uh, a hard copy of it, you can order it and get it sent to your house, or you can just download it on Kindle and read it immediately. Um, also available right now is Nine Tolls Tale. I'm sorry, Nine Toll. Let's try it again. Nine Tales Told in the Dark, uh, published by Bright of Chaos, um, and this is a, available only as an ebook. And the short story that I wrote in there um, is This World Will Eat You All the Way Up. And up next, uh, so I will be releasing this on Saturday, February 27th. So on March 2nd, so just a few days away, uh, an anthology entitled Wax and Wayne, A Gathering of Witch Tales, will be released um, from Nose Touch Press, edited by David T. Nail. And um, my short story in, in this anthology is entitled Hopscotch. And then later this year, um, you can find one of my other stories, uh, Don't Forget Me. No, I'm sorry, Forget Me Not. Um, and that will be published in the Trists of Fate magazine, edited by Leanne Story, coming this August. So, uh, you know, the, there are some stories floating out there for you to sink your teeth into if you have not, uh, if you've caught up on all your Stephen King and have nothing to read. Uh, so you can head on over to, to those, those publications. And if you have enjoyed... What you have read, um, I know that the, the publishers and the editors and myself would, would appreciate a, a review. Um, and so what I have up next, I would like to read a couple emails um, because, as you know, I love getting uh, listener emails from, from everyone. And I do my best to, to read them um, on air and engage in a conversation because I can't do it. I can't do it uh, by myself. So I, I need your thoughts out there. I want your Stephen King experiences. How did you get involved with Stephen King? What is your favorite Stephen King book? If there's anything that you might agree with or disagree with with anything that I've said, feel free to write in at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And right now we have Matt from London, who writes, Hello there. I just wanted to congratulate you on a very fine podcast. I live, I've listened to many podcasts over the last seven years and recorded many myself. I must admit that I had dropped away from the medium, feeling that I had become saturated by celebrities jumping on the format that so many people had made popular from their bedrooms or studies. I'm 37 years old, and I'm happily married with two children aged 12 and 9, and I live just outside London. Last summer, our cat, George, of 14 years, had to be put down after a fight with a cancerous tumor. Our home was out of, without a furry friend, and the children in particular found it very hard. We went on a holiday to a seaside town just two weeks later, and there, in a discount bookstore, I picked up Pet Cemetery. The hotter cover features a cat that has striking resemblance to George. I was the only one present when the vet put him down, and I found the experience very odd. A feeling of relief for him, but I also want uh, 
to stop the vet from getting any closer with that needle. So there I am on the beach reading King's Forward, and I loved it so much I decided to allow my sorry read it aloud to my kids. This of course, this is of course his telling of his own daughter's reaction to the death of their cat, yelling at God to get your own cat. My two were fascinated, and although I didn't read the book to them, they'd check in over the holiday to get an update on what was going on in the story. The book rekindled my interest in King. I had read The Green Mile when I was 17, and hadn't picked up a King book since. Now between Audible and paperbacks, I've consumed nearly 10 novels, and the collection grows by the day. Maybe it's my age, but with most of his characters being in their mid-30s, I am drawn to these books like no books have done for me before. I stumbled upon your podcast while looking for interviews with King. I'm listening to the episodes of books I've read, of course, and I'm having a blast. Your sound quality and use of music is excellent, and you've got yourself a subscriber for life. Thanks for putting in the work. Matt. Matt, I'm sorry about the sound quality in this episode, and who knows, maybe when it's all said and done, the sound quality will be fine, right? Maybe I will have just spent an unnecessary amount of money on a microphone that sounds just as good as the the speakers uh, and the microphone in the computer. So, But Matt, uh, thank you for writing in. Um, and I have received a, actually a couple emails lately about people uh, losing their pets. And it is, what are you doing? Stop it. You're so weird. Why are you so weird? Speaking of pets, I'm. one of them is just going insane on the couch. The other one is snoring next to me. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. Um, but no, I've gotten a couple emails from, uh, from, from some listeners who are, uh, who have shared their, their loss of pets stories and it's, it, it's hard. It, it's, it's definitely hard. Um, anyone that's experienced that kind of loss knows how brutal it is. And I, I think that if you've experienced that, then you, you know, the, the impact of a book like Pet Cemetery. So Matt, thank you for, for writing in and sharing your experience. Up next, we have um, we have uh, Jason, who writes, Hello, Stephen King cast. I've been meaning to send in an email for some time, but I kept putting it off because I kept finding more things I wanted to mention. I figured, since your cast has an expiration date, say sorry, I'd better send one in before it's too late. I'm sorry, um... One of my sidekicks is eating a homemade uh, blanket. So, anyway, sorry guys. Uh, back, back with Jason. And Jason writes, uh, First of all, I'm a major fan of what you've been doing. Your criticism and analysis of each book and film is not only informing and entertaining, but often quite funny. Judging by comments you've made, I think the cast clicks so well with me because we have quite a bit in common. For starters, I too was an English major in college. I'm a high school teacher. Also, you're quite knowledgeable about comic books, and I'm a comic book collector. Before I ramble on any further, maybe I should get to the point. I've been reading Stephen King since I was 11 years old. The first book of King's I read was the uncut version of The Stand. Since I rarely read anything heftier than Encyclopedia Brown, it took me three months. One might wonder why an 11-year-old chose to start with The Stand. Simple. I wanted to be like my cool older brothers. They always talked about this book and the cover was weird and cryptic. I had to see what the fuss was about. I wasn't sorry. I still consider this King's masterpiece. Although The Stand is wonderful, it's not my favorite King book. That honor goes to Wizard in Glass, which is actually my favorite book ever. Sorry, my favorite book ever, and Roland Deschain is my favorite character in anything. 
Like many, I was slightly disappointed with the ending of The Dark Tower, but I have my own theory about the Wheel of Ka that I've not heard mentioned before. I'm curious what you think about this. Is it possible that Roland's repeated quest is not only his damnation, but also necessary for the survival of the multiverse? Allow me to explain what I mean. Dark Tower 7 established that the tower has a representative on every world. With the vast size of the multiverse, perhaps in some reality is all... Perhaps some reality is always in danger, and each time Roland completes the quest, he not only gets closer to redemption, but also saves another reality. Um, and Jason, that is an interesting thought. I, I really like that. I, I've never thought of that, and I've never heard of that one before, but it's. I think that that certainly fits in with what King has written, and I think that you can definitely make that argument. Here are some of my other thoughts on King's works. Skeleton Crew. This is my favorite of King's short story collections. The Jaunt is outstanding. Black House. Of the Tower-related books, this is my favorite. I like it even more than The Talisman. The characters are incredible. Beezer and Henry are just fun. In fact, I kind of expected you to say more about Henry in your review of Black House, and I was a little surprised he didn't make the mentor-slash-supporting characters top ten list. The zany descriptions of the titular Black House were awesome as well. And yes, I completely forgot about Henry when I was compiling that list, and Henry really should have been in the top ten list of supporting characters and mentors, because Henry, um, the blind DJ, is awesome. Up next, Eyes of the Dragon. Good book, and although it's not a favorite, I think it's the perfect place for a young king reader to start. I used to read this book to my 7th grade classes. They loved it. Revival. Wow, what an ending. It literally kept me from sleep that night I finished it. The horrible imagery and the what-if question of what follows death is absolutely terrifying. Under the Dome. Loved the book. Loved your review. Kind of surprised you didn't use Warren Zevon's Play It All Night Long for the episode. It. Obviously a great novel, but I wanted to share a story that I was reminded of when you did the movie moments list. Before I read the book, I saw the TV movie. I was around 13 years old and at the time had a first girlfriend. She lived about two blocks from me, and sometimes I would hang out at her house until dark. We started watching the miniseries, and the last scene I saw before walking home was Pennywise killing George in the sewer drain. I was so freaked out, I ran home that night. Of course, I had to act like it wasn't scary when I was sitting with my girlfriend, but years later, I loved telling her the story of me running home. Lisey's Story. I'm in the minority here. I love this book. I read it the summer after getting married, and I got it. My wife and I have a bunch of in-jokes and phrases that we use that others would not get at all. I was left wanting more of the fantasy world, but other than that, I find the book nearly perfect. Can't help it. The Colorado Kid, King's Worst Book, period. In fact, this might be the worst book I've ever read. I understand what he was going for, but it didn't land with me. I don't want a storytelling storyteller telling me there are unsolved mysteries. I want them to solve the mysteries. Maximum Overdrive. Please review this wonderfully horrible movie. My brother and I used to watch this once a week when we were kids. We knew it was terrible, but we loved the unintentionally funny movies. I would love to hear you talk about this one. Hey, it can't be worse than the Langoliers, right? Your review of that movie made me laugh until I literally had tears running down my face. I have a ton more thoughts uh, about a lot more King stuff, but I'll wrap it up now to keep the length down. Great podcast, man. Much love and respect for what you're doing. Can't wait to finish Bizarre Bad Dreams so I can listen to your podcast review. Long days and pleasant nights, Jason. Jason, thank you for writing in. Um... A couple people have asked about Maximum Overdrive. I don't know if I'll get to Maximum Overdrive or not. And I don't know how I can when uh, the gang over at How Did This Get Made um, gave what I believe the, 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 the definitive 
analysis of maximum overdrive. So if you would like to, to hear a, a riff of maximum overdrive, then just check out uh, the How Did This Get Made episode on the How Did This Get Made uh, podcast um, brought to you by, who was it brought? I know, um, oh, sorry, I can't remember. Oh, Paul Shear. Paul Shear and uh, Jason Manzukis. And I think that Andy Daly's on that one. Andy Daly's great. And um, uh, June Diane uh, Raphael, is that her name? Uh, but anyway, that, that gang is, um, is pretty funny. And they, they do a great, great review of Maximum Overdrive. Brought to you by Cocaine, I believe. Uh, so let's see. We are at 20 minutes now. Um, and I want to talk just very, very briefly. I know I keep pushing off the review of the 11-22-63 episode too, but, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Stephen King news lately. Uh, and so I just wanted to touch upon that before, go, before going forward. So last week they, they cast, they made the announcement <clears throat> that, uh, uh, they have cast, I can't remember the, her name off the top of my head, but, uh, she appeared in Mad Max Fury Road in the dark tower movie the, the gunslinger and everyone didn't know how to react to this it was pretty funny when the news hit because everyone was like what who is this like no one no one knew who this character was and it turns out that she is a bit character in the dark tower book seven the dark tower uh she's one of the the, the tahin or a cantoy in the dixie pig i believe which is absurd it's absurd and i i don't quite understand what they're doing with this movie but i'm not gonna write it out entirely um i'm 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 fine maybe, maybe they're doing something very very interesting but it, I, I don't know it, it it has peaked has peaked my interest um so definitely if there's more to report i will report it here um and then it looks like the stand isn't happening guys i would not bet on the stand movie um happening which which you probably could have um seen coming when when you when the news hit that josh boone was going to be doing revival instead <coughs> excuse me um instead of the stand so this is a movie that has uh been talked about a lot but has also been talked about in, in the fact that it's been hard to get off the ground and no one can decide if it's going to be two movies or four movies or uh, a couple movies and a TV series. It's just with that much uncertainty as to what it's going to be, then of, of course it's not going to happen. It just either do it or don't do it, but, but, but stop talking about how you're going to do it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so we're going to be getting revival instead, which is very, very interesting to me because I think that you could do a lot with, with this particular story and I would love, it's going to be a good meaty role for, for an actor. Someone suggested that Samuel Jackson play Charlie Jacobs, which would be great, um, for the, the sermon scene that, that he gives, uh, I mean, I, I know that Samuel Jackson has already given a um a sermon in in his his film career but it would be incredible to hear him do that um I, and i also think that brian cranston would be great um and it moves forward uh but fans of the podcast will know that i was 100 percent 
behind Corey Fukunaga and uh, the fact that he is not a part of it anymore and the fact that Ben Mendelsohn is not playing Pennywise, I don't really care. But it's going ahead. It's got it's going to be two parts, and um, so let's see. Let's see what happens there. Okay, guys. Without further ado, uh, let's get into the second episode of Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. So, one thing I didn't talk about last week was the the credits. I really like the opening credits, guys. Um, I, I just love the imagery that uh, the the opening credits play with. I like the music itself. It's it's um, it's whimsical. It's I. Uh, has a little bit of a danger in it, but there's a playfulness there, and the how the the rifle's um, sight line is a string, and the strings are running throughout the the, the credits. Kind of points towards the the ultimate uh, conversation that the the yellow card man has with Jake. I, I think that that's very very interesting. So. Last week, I was not 100% down on, on what they were doing with 11.22.63. I thought it was kind of clunky at times. I thought that it was eh in other parts. I was not quite sure on James Franco as Jake. Um, I thought that some parts didn't land. But I just got to say that those concerns that I had or those reservations that, that I felt immediately were, were dispelled um, Right from the beginning of this episode, it was a great beginning, guys. A great beginning. Um, and it wasn't even a big beginning. Uh, but the kids running through the woods just creates an incredibly intense introduction. And from a metatextual standpoint, for that, that kind of fanboy um, moment that we're looking for, it is very familiar to Stephen King fans. I mean, come on, bullies chasing their victims through the woods? I mean, though it takes place in, Kent in Kentucky, I mean, this scene is very reminiscent of Henry Bowers attacking the losers in the Barrens. This victim, of course, being young Harry. Um, so it felt very, very dairy Maine. So I'm going to talk more about Holden here, but this to me just, woof, I'm like, oh, this is a Stephen King story. I feel like I have been here before. So then Jake, I'm sorry, uh, Harry finally makes his way into a pharmacy uh, where Franco is there. He's enjoying a cup of coffee. And Jake watching Harry as a child is an absolute blast. And here I find um, that James Franco is really growing into the role a lot more. Um, he, he's reacting less and just being more. He is He's just being Jake in a way that he, he wasn't Jake uh, in in the first episode, if if that makes sense to to you, um, and then like I got like I said, I mean, although it's it's Holden, Kentucky, this town feels very very dairy. Like I said in the previous episode, um, I I honestly believe that the change from Dairy, Maine to Holden, Kentucky, I I think it's got to be a rights issue. I think it's got to be because everything else about this is more dairy than dairy from the It miniseries. Um, the director, Fred Toy, he, he turns this town into the dairy that we remember from the books. It's dark, it's twisted, and it has Annette O'Toole as a resident. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Beverly Marsh herself from the It miniseries makes a guest appearance. 
So this makes me believe that, yes, they are treating this as Dairy Maine. And the way that it's filmed allows the fans to believe it is Dairy Maine. The, the appearance is even more special when you realize that the actual character of Bev appeared in this segment in the book. So while we couldn't get the character, having Annette O'Toole, the actress who played the character, is a very strategic bit of fan service right there. But seriously, the smokestacks, the man with the eye patch, the mistrust in the eyes of each of the town folk as, Dre, as Jake drives by? Ooh, or how about Frank Denning's introduction? swaggering his back to the screen and the cigarette smoke pouring from his mouth like a dragon you know i mean dunning here did i just say denning i meant dunning um there's there there should be if nothing else danger in dairy and danger is everywhere in this town um so i was very very happy with the way that holden was presented because it is the most honest portrayal of of Dairy Maine that I've, I've seen from any of King's adaptations. You know, and then also this adaptation is doing what I like from my adaptations. And guys, you, you know that. And what are you doing? So now the other one is getting into my wife's nail polish. Stop it. Thank you. Can you come back. Can you come here? Maybe. Maybe. Sorry, guys. Um, so, you know, if you've listened to this before, that it I like when a film or a television show uh, deviates from the source material to fit the medium in which the creators are telling their story. So, when Dunning is driving Jake to the meat processing plant in the rain, it's a new scene. And it's keeping me on edge because despite my familiarity with the title, with, I'm sorry, with the novel, I don't know what to expect. And Josh Dumel is killing it as Frank. He's playing him friendly and charismatic, but never not dangerous. I, I mean, the, the whole scene in the meat plant is disturbing. Uh, Denning's drunk, dumbass goons are twinners to the bullies that victimize his son at the beginning of the episode, hooting, hollering, playing with cattle prods. All the while, Dunning holds the hammer and takes joy from killing the cow. I mean, for fun, the man goes back to work. Who goes back to work for a good time? Frank Dunning, that's who. And it just so happens that his job entails the slaughtering of cows. That's the kind of guy who would do that for free. Jake thinks about how to go saving Harry Dunning, realizing that he doesn't have what it takes to kill Frank through his inability to kill the cow. Instead, he's trying to get the Dunnings out of the house on Halloween night. But seriously, what I need to talk about is the show's version of the USS Indianapolis speech delivered by Michael O'Neill, who discusses how he acquired the Bronze Star in an incredibly acted speech that A, allows an actor to have fun, and B, reinforce the conflict of Jake having to kill a man. And then Frank Dunning arrives to pick up Jake, and the tension, man, the tension just skyrockets. Demel, like I said, is killing it, and soon he'll be killing everybody. His suspicion that Jake is sleeping with his wife is truly chilling because we don't know what to expect. His talk of rules and prices having to be paid reinforces the themes of the entire show, as we'll later learn in future episodes. So when Jake buys the gun, all that talk of killing a man and paying the price starts to push to the forefront. 
Hey guys, then we get a Chris Cooper flashback from the present. It's a clever way to keep him in the story even though his character's dead. In the flashback, complete with a James Franco goatee, allows L Al Templeton to remind us how the past can push back on a time traveler looking to mess with the time stream. So immediately, we get a scene of Jake having to buy incontinence pants and KO pectate, just as he had in the book uh, from the food poisoning uh, the past had slipped into his dinner the night before. And then we get Halloween! It's Halloween in the Stephen King story, and like I've said before, we've still never seen King's definitive take on Halloween. Still, for now, this will suffice. Creepy autumn streets, jack-o'-lanterns, and pretty scary costumes. Got fog and lightning. It's a lot of fun. And just as Jake is about to act, he's interrupted by Bill Turcott. And here's where the creative team of the show makes a significant change to the plot which is the increasing importance of Turcotte, who will function as a sounding board for James Franco so it's not a one-man show. Now, I can see where this decision will alienate some fans of the book, but to me, it's an understandable decision. Time will tell if Turcotte will feel like a character or whether he'll simply be a plot device, but for now, I will hold off any judgment until I see it in action in future episodes. Anyway... Jake manages to get into the house in time, shoots Frank, and fights him to the death, saving the entire family. The show streamlines the novel, which sees Jake returning to the present, then back to the past on a second go-around, killing Dunning even further back in the past, cold blood this time. So, it strips all of that down to simply, he gets to the house, there's a fight, he kills Turcotte, I'm sorry, he kills uh, Frank Dunning, and then that's it. He gets in the car, and he leaves Holden behind, but Turcotte shows up at the end, inserting himself into the narrative, knowing that Jake is a time traveler and holding him at gunpoint. It's a great cliffhanger to make us tune in to next week, episode three. So, guys, final thoughts? Like I said, I found this episode to be a huge improvement over the first. Now, with the, the, the premise already established, it allowed the story, it allowed the characters room to breathe. So much of the first episode needed to be spent on establishing our characters, the two, the two timelines, the, the rules, the mission. Here we have an actor who is settling into his role a little bit deeper, whose mission is a lot more personal than having to rewrite a major turn of history. Here, like the book, but in so many different ways, saving Harry Dunning is just as important the stakes just as high, but much more relatable than having to save the President of the United States. So, um, we have some Easter eggs, guys. Uh, like I've already said, Annette O'Toole. Oh, casting Annette O'Toole was... I can't tell you the smile on my face um, seeing her and knowing why she was there. Um, I, I know that I have kind of gone back and forth um, on the podcast about Easter eggs and shout-outs. I'm kind of getting sick of them sometimes in comic book movies because it, it, it can be so blatant in um, comic book movies if done poorly. Um, like, like, for instance, uh, Superman Returns. There's a scene where Superman is holding up a car upright and it's to, to mimic uh, the cover of his first appearance in Action Comics and it just seems so forced in the moment that it takes me out of the movie. But there are times when it's done very, very well. And I think that having Annette O'Toole um, play a character is done very, very well. Um, and it's a tip 
of the hat to the audience. Um, and likewise, in, in last week's episode, um, in last week's episode, um, a, a lot of viewers answered my question that, that I posed because I knew that there had to be a Plymouth Fury, a 1958 Plymouth Fury out there somewhere in the past. And yeah, a lot of you wrote in and said that, yes, Christine herself, um, made an appearance as I knew that she would, and she was being driven um, by Sadie's husband. Um, so stuff like that, having a character drive a very recognizable car. Um, if a St. Bernard shows up, you know what I mean? Like, let's not make it, let's not make it too obvious, but I mean, you know, if someone has a dog and that dog is a St. Bernard, that's an Easter egg right there, you know what I mean? So this was very well done. I think that it can be done um, very seamless, and uh, I, I, I can't wait to see what, what future episodes hold. Uh, there was a point where a big deal was made out of the a Jesus painting or picture on the wall, and to me, again, I, I feel, and I could be wrong, that this felt like a shout-out so the Tommyknockers, where a very impish picture of Jesus uh, led to murder, uh, I've already mentioned how how much Holden feels like Derry, and they went out of their way to include a subplot involving Harry being bullied, which could be out of the blue, but to me feels as though that is a uh, an acknowledgement of it. I mean, the fact that it's even filmed by a stream, I mean, come on guys, that's, that's basically the Barons right there. I think that that's, that's their way of shoehorning the Barons into this story. Um, this is less of an Easter egg. It's more of a coincidence. I don't know if he was cast on purpose, but Michael O'Neill, who happens to be a veteran actor appeared in Dreamcatcher and, um, you know, he has a, a pretty sizable role. Well, it's small, but the speech that he gives uh, about how he acquired the Bronze Star, it's awesome. It's a great scene, um, and it's pretty impactful in the, the, the life of Jake, whose life is about to go through a very significant moment because of that speech. And then lastly, there's an Andy Dufresne Shawshank moment where Frank, um, not Frank, but where Jake is standing out in the rain, his eyes closed, letting nature cleanse him. So to me, it felt very, very Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption. It might just have been one of those tropish moments um, and might not have been a shout out at all. But, you know, if you want to make the argument that, yeah, it was purposeful, then, hey, then and who's to say otherwise? OK, guys, that's that's all that I have for this week. I really enjoyed it. I liked it. Um it was fun, and it felt uh, like a breath of fresh air after the last episode, which to me, I, pilots are hard. First episodes are hard. The first of anything isn't that great. I mean, just think about the, the first season of Seinfeld and how terrible it was, the first season of The Simpsons. Um, it, it takes a while for a lot of shows to, to find their groove, and I think that that's the case with 112263, but I think that they're really finding the groove more. I think that really by leaning into the kingisms, um, I think that's really going to benefit the, the show. So, guys, if you have not done so already, feel free to uh, head on over to iTunes and leave a review. And uh, you can always send me an email at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And like I said at the top of the episode, you can head to Dark Moon Digest on Amazon or uh, Nine Tales Told in the Dark or Wax and Wayne, A Gathering of Witch Tales or Trysts of Fate to acquire any of my short stories. And I will definitely keep you updated um, 
when when more get get published if more get published when no, when when more get published let's let's be let's be positive here so um okay guys i apologize for the the delay this week and for the for the audio quality um i've i've been really good about getting my episodes out at least once a week um but i, I the fact that it, it took a little bit longer than a week is something that's going to gnaw on me so i i do apologize guys and next week i'll have my microphone back and hopefully i'll be able to get the episode out a little bit sooner um than i did this week uh but everybody thank you for listening thank you for all of the constant support from the constant listeners out there and may you have long days and pleasant nights and I will see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast.